Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real-life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie-cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and, most importantly, enjoy the process. thing in the entire weight loss, nutrition, medical industry right now, which is... Ozempic. Ozempic. Oh, baby, this is going to be an episode. This is our first episode on YouTube, so we'll give you the quick rundown. We are two registered dietitians. I'm Kate. I'm Megan. And we work at Nutrition Awareness, a private practice here in Orlando. We have a podcast called the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. Over 135 episodes, If you want to take a deep dive, we are on every single platform that podcasts are on, and now we're taking it to YouTube. And the reason we're talking about this is because we work with clients one-on-one, and the things that they ask us about are the things that we talk about on the show. And so this is why we're really diving deep into this today, because it's all over the news and all of our clients are asking us about it. And we're trying to be objective here, so we're going to share with you guys a lot of the research, the facts about Ozempic, and then also share our real client stories who are either on Ozempic or its cousin Manjaro, and then also sharing our opinions as professionals who work in the nutrition and weight loss industry. I would say 80 to 90% of our real-life clients come in because they want to lose or change their weight. So we're getting questions about this, and we just want to share the most recent info with you as we can. So let's start talking about what Ozempic is. Okay, so if you've been living under a rock, everyone is taking Ozempic to lose weight. Um, It's actually not FDA approved for weight loss. It was approved for as a diabetes medication to help lower blood sugars. And so everybody said like, all right, we're taking this and then we're also losing weight. So then another drug came about called Wagovi Mm -hmm. and that is actually approved for weight loss, but they both have the same compound in common, which is semaglutide. And that's the thing that helps lower blood sugars, lower appetite. What else does it do? Suppress cravings. It makes you feel like you're full more so than when you weren't on the medication. So one of the things about obesity or, or people who struggle to lose weight is sometimes there are people who cannot 
register feeling full. And that's because there's a hormone called GLP, glucose-like peptide one, uh, that helps us suppress our appetite. And tell us when we're full. Yeah. Right? Gives us that that signal. Hey, it's you're done eating now. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of people complain that they don't have that signal that, hey, I don't know when I'm done eating. And that can be really hard to understand if you're not one of those people. If you're able to know when you're hungry, regulate when you're full, it, it can be hard to empathize with that. And so there's a lot of people who, you know, say they've tried a lot of things. They've tried lifestyle, they've tried diet, they've tried exercise, and yet they still can't seem to get a hold on how much they're eating or their cravings. And so the semaglutide helps with, uh, uh, I guess, amplifying those intrinsic mechanisms that our body has or should have naturally that help us know when to eat and when to stop. So it's like an, an aid, essentially, if you're missing that intrinsic mechanism. I read a story of a person who was taking it and they had said that, oh, now I understand why skinny people think that fat people are just lazy and can't change Mm -hmm. because I've never actually experienced that, oh, I'm done eating feeling. And so now having felt that and knowing that's what normal people feel on a regular basis, oh, of course you would just think I'm skinny and lazy and just want to keep eating. That's interesting. That was one of your real life clients that said No, no, no. That oh. was just a story that I had read about someone who was taking it. Gotcha. I was just reading a bunch of different experiences. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, I guess that, that is what it does, right? It, it's an appetite suppressant, but it's supposed to mimic what your body is supposed to do. Now, there's another drug on the market called Monjaro. And with Ozempic and Wagovi, both of those things are having a major shortage right now. Uh, it seems because a lot of people are taking it, not for diabetes, and it's not only being taken by people who are obese. Uh, there's a lot of people taking it who just... they want to lose 10 pounds. They want to lose 10 pounds. They want to lose the 5 pounds. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was reading I was reading this comment on another YouTube video from a dietitian about Ozempic. And a girl commented it this. She goes, I'm a runway and fashion model. I was given Ozempic for fashion week to go down a size. And it works. I was sick for a day or two at first, but it seemed safer than cigarettes, excessive amount of caffeine, or uppers which are both known appetite suppressants. And so that to me, I was like, oh, that's why this is so... Uh, can you not just go down the runway at the five extra pounds that you are? Well, and that's like the big issue with this. You know, I know we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it's what does a weight loss drug like this in the hands of a specific population mm-hmm. that it wasn't originally designed for, what effect does that have on our culture, our beauty standards, what we think normal looks like? I, I want to do a deep dive into that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cultural expectations. Mm-hmm. And how that's going to change even more because now not only are you expected to eat well and exercise, you're also expected to take this drug that can make you 5 to 10 pounds less than you were when you looked amazing to start with. I know. Ugh. And at what price? Right, The price, that could be financial. This is not a cheap medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of the medications are. So like I was saying, Manjaro is the cousin to Ozempic. It's becoming more popular because Ozempic and Wagovi are having shortages. So a lot of people can't get their hands on Ozempic anymore. This could include really vulnerable populations who were originally prescribed the medication for diabetes. So let's say that there was a person who uh, was diabetic, maybe... F- on the brink of major health consequences. You know, when you're diabetic, you can lose limbs because of poor blood flow. Uh, Your heart suffers. You could be on the brink of death. I'll just say it. And they're on this medication. They're on the right track. They're doing all the things they're supposed to do. They're under the supervision of a good doctor. And then people who are, you know, a size 
six and want to be a size four, but have a lot of money and the right connections are getting their hands on the drug, what's the consequence for them? So Monjaro is now being prescribed. It's a little bit different than Ozempic. It is a combination drug. So it's not just the, it's, it's not semaglutide, mm-hmm. which is what Ozempic and Wagovi are. It's, I can never pronounce it right. Ter- Tetra something. Terzepatide or something. Something like that. Not Terzepatide. That really it's like nobody really needs to know that. Right. Um, but actually, I was reading in studies that it's actually more effective than Ozempic. So when we were seeing when people were taking the semaglutide medications, they were losing, I believe it was 10 to 15% of their body weight. With Monjaro, it could be up to 20 to 25%. And that's because it's a combination drug. It's a GLP-1 and it's a GIP agonist. Great. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So. so those are the hot topics right now. Those are the hot drugs that are out there right now. Uh, when we were doing our research for this, I thought it was really interesting to take a little dive into history of weight loss medications. We this know- isn't the first time that everyone's been on something that... It's been the miracle drug. Like, this is not the first time this happened. It's happened pretty much every decade, Yeah. right? Yeah, since, like, the... Well, actually, the first one was in the late 1800s. They called them fat reducers, but they started to get a little bit more popular in the 1940s. Uh, there's been so many... I think the ones that are really popular, the ones that would still come up in conversation in the office, was phenamine yeah. or fenfen, which was a combination drug. Um, of course, that made people's appetite be suppressed. It helped them lose weight temporarily, but it had a, a ton of really bad side effects. In fact, I think they even took it off the market Mm -hmm. um, because of all the negative side effects. Yeah, it makes your heart race. I think like every supermodel was on that in the 80s. Yeah, it was like a thing. Mm -hmm. I even had a client once, he worked in the medical industry and kind of made a comment that he would recommend phenamine to a lot of his patients. And I was like, whoa, like I I just like, are we in the 21st century here? Who's taking phenamine? Uh, But there's been other ones too. Another really common thing that's still abused is amphetamines or amphetamines. Uh, which again just naturally suppress your appetite because uh, you're getting energy from somewhere else right and so your body is decreasing the cues to go and find food because you're on this upper and you're going 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 so you don't need to eat right you forget to eat you don't want to eat what's interesting with amphetamines that i've seen is people will take breaks from them or when the medication wears off or they be- build a tolerance to the amphetamines as they just go back to eating like normal uh, so if they take the amphetamines for five days because they're at work and then on the weekends they just binge eat like crazy and then eventually they their body adjusts to the medication and they're back at square one, if not worse. So I'm always curious, whenever it comes to any kind of weight loss medication, I'm always concerned about what happens if you go off medication, if your body adjusts to the medication. And what are the side effects? What are the side effects? What are the negative side effects? My favorite weight loss side effect um, was from Orlistat. Do you remember seeing so commercials? So this was like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So that was like the drug of the early 2000s and yay, everybody's going to take this and we can still eat normally, but it like blocks fat. So then we're not going to be fat. Well, when it blocks fat, do you know where it goes? No. Go see your poop. Yeah. So people's butts were leaking fattiness because the fat wasn't being absorbed. (laughs) And so it was coming out. And really the weight. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to each their own. I don't think I'd be comfortable with that, especially because nobody takes that drug anymore because it didn't really work. Yeah. I remember the commercials. It was called Ally, so maybe that's what people remember. I remember the commercials for it and just being like, oh, I was a kid Mm -hmm. being subjected Mm -hmm. to that. So there's just a lot of weight loss medications. It's not even all of them that I found, but 
they're all been discontinued and nobody takes them because of the side effects. Yeah, so I think initially even hearing about this, maybe what was it, like one, two years ago where it became really popular on TikTok and people started asking me about it. And initially I was just like, nope, like, nope, because my brain has been so trained and seeing all these stories and these things getting taken off the market and seeing all the side effects and nobody's taking these things now. So I think initially I was like, I'm kind of staying out of this realm. But as it becomes more and more popular, we have to delve into it and really look at the research and some case studies. I had an obesity specialist medical doctor come in. Her name is Dr. Nikita Shaw. She's located here in Orlando. And she was sharing with me, she was really objective um, about about the medication, uh, really concerned that the people that were taking the medication were also making healthy lifestyle changes. And so I really appreciated her being adamant about that. And if you look at a lot of the studies that are showing the weight loss effects of semaglutide um, and the Manjaro is that they are in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes, diet and exercise, which the latest recommendations for obesity treatment is still diet and exercise. That's still the first thing that we want to integrate, that we want to try. And if you're taking the medication we want to do that before during and after if you decide to go off the medication as well what i thought was interesting was dr nikita shaw told me that a lot of the patients who will be taking this medication are on it for life uh, so that's up i don't know if if that is how all the medical uh doctors who prescribe these weight loss drugs i haven't heard anything different i have always heard that you start taking it and you take it in perpetuity it's not a drug where you take it for the next three months, get to a weight that you want to be at, and then come off of it. Mm -hmm. It's something that you have to continue to take because it's not like it builds up in your system, continues to work forever, or it's not like it builds up in your system, you change your habits, and then you can just continue to do it because you're really relying on this drug to decrease your appetite. Yeah, and it works. Like, that's the thing is the drug works. It'll do what it's going to do. It just depends on you and what you want to do. So what we don't want to see people doing is taking this drug, like you said, for like a short burst of time and then going off because they want to have a fun weekend or a vacation and eat what they want and actually enjoy food. Because one of the side effects that comes with these medications is just not being interested in food. Mm-hmm. I have one client who's on Monjaro, was a big wine drinker. He loved wine. It was just something that brought him great pleasure. Now one glass and he's done. He's not even interested in it. So somebody might want to take a break from the medication because of whatever reason. They're going to Napa. They're going to Napa, right? And they want to enjoy the things and then they get back on it. I don't know. I guess your doctor could advise you on on what to do there. But to me, it just seems a little, I don't know, like like you're abusing the medication in a way that it's not supposed to be used. Yeah. Uh, I had asked one of my clients, long-term client, who's currently on Monjaro, a few questions. So just a little bit of backstory from him. He had lost, sheesh, it was a lot of weight. He went from 310 to 241 in about three years. And during this three years, I mean, he was on it, but then there would be times where he wasn't on it. Like, you know, he was... You mean on it in terms of, like, uh, changing his lifestyle, not necessarily on it in terms of the medication? Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I mean, he was just focus, laser focus, and there'd be some times where life happened and he wasn't. So some people might say like, oh, that's a lot of weight, which it was. It was 60 pounds and a significant amount of body fat. He went from 45.5% body fat to 32.7 in in just under three years. Significant, but for some people, they might not have the patience or the will to do that. And so then I was talking to him because he got on Monjaro per recommendation of his doctor in January. 
Uh, we did a month of our daily accountability program to make sure that he was sticking to his healthy lifestyle changes while on the medication. Because one of the things that I'm concerned about when people take this medication is if they're not gonna eat enough protein, because if they ever go off the drug or you know, just for general longevity purposes, you have to maintain adequate muscle mass. And if you don't wanna eat all day, that's huge gaps of the day where you may not be consuming enough protein, which people with normal or regular or even increased appetites are still not doing as they should anyway. So he was weight training. We wanted to make sure he was eating enough, um, managing the side effects, not missing any nutritional gaps. He did notice, it was interesting because I'd worked with him for so long to see the differences in his interest in food and appetite. And he did, he lost nine pounds in that month. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was asking him, I said, are you concerned about if you go off on this medication, if you'll be able to maintain the results? And he said no, because he had been working so hard before the medication to get him to where he wanted to be. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, he really does put the work in. This was, for him, an accelerator, right, which is his decision. Yeah. You know, I support anybody's right to do what they want to do. I was a little surprised when he decided to go on it just because he had been kicking ass, to be to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I mean. I think the problem with that is no matter what the the reason or the mechanism behind you going from let's say a 2400 calorie a day diet is just what you normally eat to then eating 1500 1400 calories whether it's because of a medication whether it's because of willpower or whether it's because something your doctor handed you and said follow or an this, illness yeah your metabolism is going to be affected yep. by that. So if we go back to like the biggest loser, you know, if these people were typically eating 2,500, 3,000 calories a day, whatever it was, and then they went down to 800, 900 calories, yes, they lost a lot of weight. But as soon as they went back to a normal diet, they gained that weight plus more, which we see all the time on these 1,200 calorie diets. When it's below what your body needs to maintain normal life, whether it's from a medication or not, as soon as you stop doing that, man, like... First of all, like on 1,200 calories, you're not getting enough fiber. There's no way. You're not getting enough vitamins and minerals. You're probably not getting enough protein. So aren't you going to be tired? Mm-hmm. So isn't your body going to be fighting back in some way? Like whether it's, oh, my brain is starting to fantasize and think about food, or is it that I just feel kind of run down and I don't have as much energy as I used to have? My thought is if these things are decreasing appetite and you're able to kind of maintain your metabolism, great. But if you're actually going below what you need, well, now your metabolism is going to readjust itself yep. to need what you're giving it. It's a survival mechanism of if you were in famine, you're, you would stay alive because your body would readjust its metabolism to meet what its needs are. Bingo. So if it's a medication or not, your metabolism is going to adjust. And so do you want to do that metabolic damage? Because once that metabolic damage starts, it's really hard Understatement. to move back to where you were prior to this. So. All your friends, like whether it's you or people that you know that have dieted their whole lives, they're always going to struggle with weight until they figure this part out. Yeah. And your friend that's never been on a diet before, that's probably never struggled before, she's never going to have to do this because she's never been at that point where it's been a 1200 calorie diet. She screwed up her metabolism and is now trying to fight her way back. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's the... How many times a week do you think you have that conversation? At least times per month with clients because it's such a real thing where the body does not want you to lose weight, which is why a lot of people are taking these medications to tell their body to let them lose weight by not eating enough. The body has so many different uh, intrinsic little 
tricks up its sleeve to get you to eat more. To keep you alive. To keep you alive. It just wants to keep you alive. It doesn't care right. what you look like, whether you have an extra 10 pounds or extra 60 pounds on your body. Your your body's like, we got to keep them alive, so we got to keep them hunting and gathering, so we're going to send them all these signals so they can go out and do that. Bingo. Yeah. Which is why I imagine this. If you went on a diet and you were eating 900 calories and you lost all this weight, eventually equilibrium is met because your body is not going to let you wither away to nothing because eventually you would just keep going and get to zero calories. The people that do that have anorexia, which is a mental illness, and they die from that unless they're treated. So there is a reason why your body wants you to lose weight. Another thing that happens um, is that hunger hormones are increased a lot. So here's the situation. If you're on this medication that suppresses your hunger hormones, your metabolism goes down and meets the 900 hypothetical hypothetical calories you're eating. Let's say you can't afford the medication. There's a shortage. You decide the side effects aren't worth it. You don't want to go on it anymore. You want to try not being on the medication. Whatever the reason is, you go off the medication, not only has your metabolism stalled, but those hunger hormones that you have suppressed are gonna come back with vengeance. So as hard as you try to eat 900 calories, you're probably gonna eat triple the amount of calories and then that's why people experience a weight regain. In fact, I even saw one study that showed uh, one year after discontinuing semaglutide, um, there was an average of a 66% weight regain. So people regained two thirds of the weight they lost within one year. And that's just one year. Who knows what could happen afterward? So that's not to say, you know, don't use the medication. I think if I can empathize with someone who's maybe tried everything or maybe she's had five kids and she just feels awful or she has metabolic disease or he's doing all the things and just can't get a grip on the appetite piece and you want to try a medication, I just think you should also be aware that this might be a medication for life unless you want to risk the weight regain. And if you do go on the medication, work with a dietitian to help make sure you're in a a deficit that's going to help you lose weight, but also not totally crap out your metabolism and dig you into a deep hole. I don't think a lot of people like to hear that. I think people want to get on the medication and drop 50 pounds in six months. That's not always the right, the best uh, approach. I think out of the thousands and thousands of people that I've worked with who have described some of these feelings of not knowing whether they're full or trying to go on these diets and not being able to follow them or not being able to stay on a 1500 calorie diet or whatever, we've always been able to figure out the reason why. And by really targeting the nutrients that we're providing them with and changing the way that they're eating and trying to make them focus on fueling their body instead, we can achieve a lot of these same results that the medication is doing. That said, out of the thousands and thousands of people that I work with, in my brain, I can probably think of maybe 20 people who never got to that point Mm -hmm. that I felt like I was at a loss and that there was something missing here that we couldn't fix, regardless of them making those changes. I think those are the people that would benefit from something like this, that are already doing the things. They're doing, they've, they've figured out how to fuel their body well, they've started exercising or they've been in an exercise routine for a really long time and they have this overall really healthy lifestyle but there's just something off Mm -hmm. something like this i think can help those people because they get really in their heads about like i'm doing all the things like why am i not seeing anything Mm -hmm. but like i said out of those thousands of people maybe 20 maybe yeah i'm glad you brought that up because Mm -hmm. 
when people, at least from the comments of people that I was reading on different YouTube channels and different social media accounts, because that's where, let's be honest, a lot of these conversations uh, are happening. A lot of people were saying, I've, you know, I've tried these diets, I've lost weight, regained it, lost, regained it. And the conversations that we have here in the office are really intimate and we take a deep dive. And a lot of times, yeah, people are eating, you know, 1200 calorie diets, but they're not eating fiber and they're not eating protein. So of course they're not eating those foods that will make you feel full, that will help you experience satiety. They or were they're just, avoiding carbs. Uh, They've been mm-hmm. avoiding carbs for the past 10 years and they wonder why they binge on sweets at the end of the day or breads or whatever or pizza on the weekend. So it's like figuring out that whole thing, that whole trajectory in their life. <laughs> and that's what's missing from this when someone can get online on an app and say, lie about their height and weight, never see a physician, and get this sent to their home, what message is that sending? That you don't have to change anything. You just take this injection because it's that easy. Well, I doubt that person's going to pay $1,500 a month every single month for the rest of their lives to be on this medication. And the people that can do that, rich people, celebrities, people that have an in, are also changing our perception of what weight loss and what healthy eating should look like exactly which is problematic in itself uh there's something called ozempic face have you heard about that yes this scares the crap out of me and i'll just share a story here i still sometimes we all have insecurities right we all have insecurities i'm insecure about my big cheeks sometimes i don't even think they're that big but i had a boyfriend in college grab my cheeks all the time and it was just a thing and so there is a pot, <laughs> and I'm always like, if I lay down on a pillow like this, it just, <laughs> there's a lot there. So there's, <laughs> it's a thing. So there's um, ozempic face, which is where the cheekbones here hollow out. So uh, they hollow out like this, and it's a look. And now there's a plastic surgery, plastic surgery, um, where you can take the buccal fat pads of your cheeks to mimic Ozempic face. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh my God, imagine if 22-year-old me and her peak insecurity about this saw a bunch of celebrities taking Ozempic face, these high cheekbones, these like really they're like, yeah, they're sunken in. Like if that's what beauty looks like, what would I have thought about myself? Yeah. Like and we've all seen this and you see it in people who have weight loss surgery, bariatric surgery. Yeah. It's from very rapid weight loss and you actually are losing the muscle mm-hmm. that's here. And so that's why everything kind of looks drawn in and I, it's nothing new. It's just from very rapid weight loss. Yeah. So that's changing what people see as beautiful and it's all in alignment with being thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was it's kind of disappointing because we okay it's such a hot topic because yes like we want people to be healthy and that means being at whatever weight healthy is for you that's not what this topic is about but I felt like we're just as a society as a culture on such an upward swing with you know embracing Our level different of understanding yeah of you can look different and yeah. still be healthy from what a typical healthy ideal six pack abs with your pecs sticking out and you can see your clavicle bones and all of these things. But we were finally getting to a spot where like we would realize that, oh, maybe that isn't healthy for everybody mm-hmm. to maintain. And now this weight loss drugs on the market and the people that we see all the time, which are the influencers, the celebrities, if they're getting their hands on this and then they're taking this, which yeah. is almost like an unfair advantage that they're willing to put their bodies through this and they have the money to do it and then we have the 22 year old who sees this all the time and thinks that she has to look like that too so she's going to do whatever it takes for her to look like that and then that would be at the expense of the people who really could benefit from this drug that really would help save their life that would help improve their health 
which of course would be the people who are you know, suffering from health consequences or do have diabetes and insulin resistance. That's one of my biggest concerns. I also am concerned for people that have had histories of disordered eating, mm-hmm. um, how this could trigger more disordered eating. In the past, it was laxatives and overexercising and amphetamines and drinking coffee and all these other tactics to suppress appetite. Well, now there's just, just this injection that you can get your hands on and take once or twice a week. And that could also fuel some of the the warp stuff that we see. I think the shitty thing is to think about the person who probably really needs this drug, who is severely overweight, has diabetes, probably has heart disease or some other chronic condition, is living in poverty, probably doesn't have access to fresh fruits and fresh vegetables, doesn't have access to a dietitian, hasn't learned the right way to fuel their body and probably isn't going to anytime soon. Their insurance might cover this, Mm -hmm. but they can't get it because it's not available because of the people that have the ends that are willing to pay the money for it. Like, that's sad. And as this drug becomes more popular and widespread, I'm sure pharmaceutical companies are going to jack up the prices even more because there's a lot of money to be made by something like this. Well, keeping in mind, there are now these compounding pharmacies oh. that are making a version of Ozempic. So they're using the semaglutide. It's a semaglutide sodium, which some pharmacists say it's the exact same and no big deal. And other pharmacists are like, Actually, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's semaglutide plus a sodium ion, and that may change, blah, blah, blah. And, like, things are approved because they're in a certain way, and then that's how they get approved. So if we take this and then we change it, and then we're adding different things to it, like, it's not actually approved anymore for taking. So there are these compounding pharmacies that are making their own cocktails mm. and then sending them out to people. And so in that way, it's like, oh, my gosh, what are you even taking in what combination? But these uh, like medical weight loss facilities and what are they called like anti-aging spas spas, yeah and they're they're having these doctors recommend this and then just getting the people are getting it sent to their house or they're paying to a monthly fee to go to these places and get the drug and i actually even saw like a place in california that are signing people up six months in advance and they're paying a monthly fee six months in advance for like when their compound comes available because there's going to be a shortage of it so like get on board now because like this is the thing that all the celebs are taking i as a as a dietitian as like a person who loves other women who have weight issues right like people in my family my friends like my community i'm like do not why would you ever do this to yourself like why would you put yourself at risk your family by taking these like weird sketchy drugs and then there's also the part of me, that little voice deep in my head that used to struggle with eating disorders that can empathize with people's desperation. And I think that's why conversations like this are so important because while I can empathize, and I'm sure you can too, with how people just feel so much pressure to look a certain way, and feel a certain way, I can understand why they would fork over the money to do that. And that also doesn't mean that it's not gonna put you at more risk or make things worse one to five years down the line. That, but a lot of people don't really question what they're yeah. taking. So if a physician or someone in a really fancy glitzy med spa is saying this is going to help you, maybe they don't have a science background. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to look into it. If that's not their jam and not something that they're interested in, but someone's saying this is going to help you, mm-hmm. they're probably just going to take it. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I can't recommend enough if you're going to explore this option to talk to a medical doctor. Um, go to a obesity specialist who is under a code of ethics 
by the Board of Medicine to prescribe medications to people who qualify and who need it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mic drop right there. Yeah. I mean, one, the one I know here in Orlando, Dr. Shaw, I mean, she's going to look at you as an individual and help guide you in the right direction and make sure you're doing it right. Don't go to some black market. Don't try to find like the cheap way to do it. That's that's I have no that's it that's the only recommendation I know I know I understand why people might feel desperate why they might see somebody else in their life on it I had a client come in and he was telling me about his friend who was a lean guy already over a little over six feet two fifteen on the drug lost fifteen pounds really fast and he was like questioning he's like should I do that or should I do the hard put the elbow grease in and do diet and exercise and consistency and I was like do the diet and exercise and consistency like you like do it you can do it you know you can but i understood why he was like can i just take this drug yeah and that's why these conversations i think have to be had and, and to emphasize i i em, empathize <laughs> i remember being maybe 19 or 20 and buying whatever the like fat burner weight loss thing that kim mm-hmm. kardashian was promoting at the time not this time I was a political science major. I had no interest in... I, I had an interest in nutrition, but it wasn't my major, and I wasn't didn't know I was going into this. I just bought it, and I started... It was like a purple pill, and I would take it before I would go to the gym. I didn't know what was in that. Did you sweat a lot? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember if it had any effect. I don't remember if I lost weight. I just remember going to the pharmacy and finding like the thing with Kim Kardashian on it and taking it because she... Said too. I don't know. Yeah. She was on commercials. I took a fat burn in college too, and I was a dietetics major. I got roped in by some awesome salespeople. It made me sweat. <laughs> I remember I was like wearing gray in class and I was so embarrassed. But I mean, the, I think that goes back to what we were saying is like, yeah, these things have been around for a long time and there is an appeal. There's always an uproar when something like this comes on. And you have to be a smart consumer, just like with anything. I mean, we've talked about that in other podcast episodes, you know, around supplements, green powders, vitamins. As a consumer, it is your responsibility to be aware of what you consume mm-hmm. because what are the risks? You know, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about this or anybody who, you know, may be tempted to, I'm just going to say abuse the medication when it's not prescribed to you or if there's a deep inner knowing that you're abusing it, right? That's up for each person to, to decide is if you have kids or if you've got young people in your life, if you are a role model for younger women, for younger women, even younger men, um, somebody who might be a bit more impressionable or influenced, just thinking about what your actions around food, your behaviors around food and weight loss and body does to them. I mean, kids, teenagers, they're little sponges. That's why they're watching TikTok and having and posting about Ozempic when they're 14 years old because they're seeing all this information and they're getting inundated with these ideas about what weight loss or healthy living entails. Um, but the most, the person that has the most direct influence is going to be the people in their immediate orbit. You know, their parents, their aunts, their older sisters. So just being aware of, of what you do. Yeah. Even if you don't tell your kids what you're doing, I'm sure they know. They're smart. <laughs> They'll figure it out. And I think if you're tempted, if, if you've heard about these drugs and you're tempted to want to try them, one thing I would caution you to do ahead of time is ask yourself why. Like, what is your why? So if you think your why is because I want to lose 25 pounds, go further than that. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to lose 25 well, I want to lose 25 pounds because then I can fit in my shorts from college. Okay, why do you want to fit in your shorts from college? Like, what do you think the feeling that you're going to get from being able to do that will be? And if you think it's X, Y, Z, well, why don't you go 
back to when you could fit into those shorts and ask yourself if you did feel those feelings. So did you feel super comfortable on your body when you were wearing those shorts or did you just think you were fat then too? Because I know a lot of my clients, when we get back to there, they're like, oh yeah, I thought I was fat then, but now I look at pictures and I'm like, oh my God, I was so skinny yeah. and I looked so amazing, but I didn't think that then. So then the question is like, what is the real feeling that we're trying to get? What's the real why behind this? Because we tend to like dive into these diets or dive into these, whatever the next culture thing is, and think that that's going to be what makes us feel good. Yeah. Oh, I love that conversation. I think that conversation <laughs> isn't had enough. You know, you look at some people like Lizzo or Beyonce who do not, they're not size five, right? They're, they live in bigger bodies and they own their body. They're happy. They're confident. And they're probably not sitting around wishing that they wore the same shorts in college. Like maybe they are, but they're at least owning who they are now and not using that as what's going to make them feel good and feel confident. One of the things I'm really passionate about is allowing women to take that out of their minds as a goal because I feel like as females we are pressured to like always have a weight yeah. goal yeah always always have something that we're striving for whether it's a smaller stomach or smaller arms or a certain weight or fitting into a certain size because my question too especially when I'm talking with younger girls who are in that stage of like developing an eating disorder or already have one I'm just thinking like how much are we gonna miss yeah. out on like because you have so much potential to think about other things and use your energy and use your power to develop whatever or do whatever good in the world, but instead you're wasting your time writing a food journal or tracking all your calories or counting up your macros Mm -hmm. when you could be doing good in the world. And that's something that I'm super passionate about. So if it's like, if all of your time and energy is spent on trying to transform your body into something that you think that you want, ask yourself if you've ever gotten the feeling that you want from when your body was at whatever stage. Instead of focusing on building substance as a character, as a person, you're hyper-focused on changing your body and your whole self-worth, your whole life comes down to changing your body, counting your food. There's so many different things that could trigger that, like a need for control. I think the most like simple way to put it is you're feeling discomfort in something in your life, whether it's your sense of self, where you are, who you are, where you came from, relational things, self-esteem things, and your solution every single time is to control food. Because when you start controlling food or hyper fixating on your body, that gives you a sense of solving the root problem. So let's say that there's somebody who's always had a low self-esteem ever since they were in middle school. For whatever reason, maybe kids made fun of them, maybe you wanted to play in band, but dad made you play sports, so you have this like misalignment within yourself. And you can't really pinpoint what that misalignment is, you feel off, and then you see or you learn through so many different avenues that being thinner, that being on a diet, that looking a certain way is going to solve that problem. So you continuously go back to those things instead of addressing that root issue, which is you just wanna play music and that's gonna feed your soul or whatever it is, right? That's a really simple example. I think a mental health therapist, dietitian can help you really like dive into what that is. But very rarely will somebody go back to the weight that they were in college and all of a sudden they're like happy again. I mean, they might feel like 5% better until they find the next thing wrong. Usually the reason why they feel better is because we've gotten them into things that they then are enjoying or they feel like they're finding themselves again. Because a lot of the stuff that we talk about is 
lifestyle based that has nothing to do with food. Yeah, which is like our little secret that you just exposed. <laughs> and if we are going to talk about from a food lens, if we get people eating in a way that helps them feel good, have energy, then they have the energy to go do all the things they want to do. I had a client who just told me this uh, Friday. Um, she came in because she used to like paddleboard and do all these outdoor activities, recently hadn't felt like herself. Within two weeks of changing how she ate, she went paddleboarding, she cleaned her house, like good stuff happened. And it's like, okay, now we can start living a full fun life. Yeah. And if your body changes as a side effect, cool. Yeah, I'm glad we got here because I think we started as like, should I take this medication yeah, or not? Kind of aggressive. And then we really got down to like the heart of the matter of really asking yourself like, what are mm-hmm. you trying to accomplish here? And saying you're doing something for health like doesn't really work anymore. It's a blanket statement, you know. Like <laughs> I'm trying to be healthy, but then what is health? It's so objective. And I think that's I think that comes back to like the the big hot topic with this medication is who should be taking it. And again, we're not doctors. We can't answer that question. But our own opinions is that the people who need this medication are the people whose health really is at risk as evaluated by a medical professional who is bound by a code of ethics. And so I'm just I'm just hoping that this, this wave of young people, healthy people, and, and healthy meaning not obese, not overweight people taking the medication just comes and goes like a fart in the wind, you know? Just bad fever dream here. And then people who need it will benefit from it. And that's just a great thing. It is an awesome thing for people who, who need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, feel love, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.